We have uh, quite a few visitors this morning, and on behalf of Florida, let me apologize to you about the weather outside. We really messed it up this week, but I promise next week we'll be back on our game. We'll be 80 degree weather, sun will be shining, it'll be a new year. So come on back and uh, you'll get the Florida you were looking for. Um, but I don't need to do that kind of apology for our guest speaker this morning because he's been all over, warm weather, cold weather, um, this continent, other continent, taking people on mission. That's what Jeff Smith does, which that name probably sounds familiar to many of you. Um, Jeff Smith, he is the founder and the operator of Disciple Trips. So we do a Mission Sunday every year where we raise money to um, both send money around places, but also to send people places. We are the hands and feet of Jesus in this world, and Disciple Trips by the head of Jeff Smith help us send our people. We had a, a goal this year, a vision this year, to send 35 plus people to the mission field. We did that with the help of Disciple Trips, with uh, our trip with our teenagers um, to, I don't even remember where we went, uh, North Carolina, I think, to uh, Antigua, where we sent our very first family mission trip, kids from um, my son who was one year old, not even, to teenagers and their parents, and then to Liberia, Africa. Uh, Jeff is a good friend of mine. We have um, been in the back of a Land Rover bouncing around in Liberia. We've been bitten alive by mosquitoes in Antigua. You are going to be blessed this morning by the message he brings us. Um, as we roll into this new year, we thought, what better way than to focus our hearts and our minds on mission? Because like this year, we have a goal of sending 35 plus people to the mission field and we thought we'd better bring in Jeff to help us focus on that mission together. Let's say a quick prayer and then we'll invite Jeff up to be with us. God, our Father, we want to thank you for this morning and the gift of your body of Christ. That we can come together and sing songs about how awesome you are. And man, I felt the walls tremor as we sang that song. And we sang it like we believed it, that you are awesome. And God, we know you are awesome because of what we witness in our world, all the goodness in our lives, all the love and fulfillment we feel in you. Not in the world, in you. And God, we help, we hope that we can help bring on the light. And God, that is what Jeff and Disciple Trips helps us and so many people around the country and world do, is bring the light of Christ into this world. So God, be, let your voice be on Jeff Smith's lips to us this morning. We give it to you in Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning, church. And it's so good to be back here. And uh, I love this congregation. And, and again, the partnership we share in this ministry we call Disciple Trips. It's really God's ministry. And as you'll see this morning, God is a God who wants all of us to be involved at some level in ministry and in mission, to be on mission. They did it. And He's a God who recruits. And so that's what I want to get across to us this morning. And uh, we're just going to see God wants me to be involved, and he wants you and you and all of us, not just to come on Sunday mornings. This is just the pep rally, right? The game is when we leave this place. And so, uh, but you know, certain jobs are hard to recruit for. Um, some jobs are easy, uh, you know, but others are tougher. So for instance, uh, who wants to be a a school bus driver. Anybody? That's a tough job, right? So sometimes you got to kind of market to that and try to sell it. So we're going to see some recruiting campaigns. Again, think about, we'll come back to God's recruiting us too, all right? But let's look at it in the secular world. Like again, a school bus driver, 
So isn't this kind of funny? As long as kids get evenings and weekends off, so will you, all right? This next one's a little interesting. You'll never take your work home with you. In fact, it would be illegal, <laughs> okay? Or make $16.25 an hour doing what most parents do for free. So that's pretty clever marketing, isn't it? Well, here's another example. Join us or die. Seems a little heavy-handed to me, all right? Uh, this one's a little more interesting, uh, and I think this is clever, and it's a way of vetting the people as well. We're looking for a computer engineer who likes to solve difficult problems. Call us on this number now, and I would never be able to call this guy. I have no clue how to solve this. I would just be guessing. Anybody here can figure this out. Let me know later. All right. But uh, that, I thought that was an interesting kind of creative way. And uh, this is interesting, taking an iconic uh, image of the Last Supper. And I don't know if you can read the small print here. It says, we're looking for someone who could revolutionize the way we work. And then all of a sudden, Jesus is, just has vanished. He's, he's uh, on his way. Now, um, this might be one we all recognize. Let's see if I can. Come on, clicker. Okay, there we go. Uncle Sam, I want you. This is an iconic poster, and it's like this guy is pointing right at us and looking us in the eye and saying, I want you. Not the guy next to you. I want you. And he's recruiting, of course, the people to join the armed forces. So I want us to think a little bit differently this morning and see what if Jesus were here this morning, and he's looking us in the eye saying, I want you, and I want you, and just one by one, he would come through and just say, I want you to help serve in my army, to help serve in my kingdom. And so that's what we're going to focus on this morning and some, see some different ways that God wants us to be part of his kingdom, part of his church. First of all, he's going to say, I want you to follow me. As Jesus begins his ministry, very early on, he starts recruiting. I mean, he's not setting up anything except, again, just beginning with a gathering of followers, disciples, students who follow him. Later on, some of these disciples will even be, uh, become apostles. And, and so here in John chapter 1, verse 43, we see early on in this gospel, it says he found Philip, and he said, follow me. And they invited them into new vocations. He says here in Matthew chapter 4, verses 19 through 20, he says, Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I'll make you what? Fishers of men. And at once they dropped their nets and followed him. Now, if I'd have been there back 2,000 plus years ago and Jesus had looked at me and said, Come, follow me. I'm like, Who are you? I don't even know you. And you're asking me just to drop my net and just come follow a total stranger? I don't know that I could have done that yet. What about you? I mean, think about these guys. It, it, that's pretty amazing that they would, like, there must have been something so intriguing and mysterious about Jesus that these hardened fishermen were willing to come and just, all right, let's check this guy out. But they did. They came, follow him, and he says, I'm not going to, I'm going to give you a better job. We're going to fish for men. He also says, I want you to help me uh, in the harvest field. In Luke chapter 10, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. We need more help. So ask the Lord of harvest, pray to the Lord of harvest to send forth workers into his harvest field. And that's what I want to encourage all of us to recognize. We are fishers of men. We are harvesters in God's fields. He wants us to follow him. And I think what Jesus is saying is, I want to teach you to be my disciples, 
to be my students, and then redirect your focus to help others find and follow me too, to find salvation when they do. So he wants us to follow him. But I think he also says, I want you to love me. He doesn't want just a bunch of robots or a bunch of slaves. He wants a relationship with us. And he wants us to love him in a very special way. This uh, text in Luke chapter 10 says, um, and we'll be in this context for a minute. He's kind of here in this uh, story of the Good Samaritan. He says, love the Lord your God with what? All your heart and with all your soul, all your strength and all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. So he very much clarifies this I mean, love from every angle, right? Heart, mind, soul, body, strength. And then don't just keep it to yourself. Share this love with your neighbor. He goes on to say, um, and again, my wife is here. She's Stacy. Where is she back there? This pretty blonde girl back here. We've been married 42 years now. I know we don't look like it, but we have. The wear and tear is there. <laughs> but on her, not me, uh, having to put up with me. But you know what? If you want to compliment my wife, if you want to get to know her and gain her respect, you don't have to do things for her. If you will love her children or her grandchildren, that's the way to her heart. Am I right, ladies? I mean, if you want to show respect to a lady, love her kids, love her grandkids, and she'll love you, all right? And that's how God feels. God says, I want you to love my hurting children. There are people out there that need me, and if you say you love me, wait a minute, I want to see that, and I want you to love my kids, and then I'll know you love me. And so in this story of the Good Samaritan, you know, there's that parable where this guy's hurt, remember, and, and uh, the priest walks by, the Levite walks by, they don't help, but the, the story, the hero of the story is this Samaritan, which was shocking to them in the story. And uh, anyways, Jesus says, who was the neighbor? And this lawyer guy says, um, the one who showed mercy, which was the Samaritan. And then he says, go and do likewise. We need to be people who show mercy to the least of those, to those who are hurting. And Jesus is like, that's how you demonstrate you love me. And that's how you follow the commands. He also goes on in Matthew chapter 25 to tell this parable of the sheep and goats. It's a judgment scene. Who's going to make it in the kingdom? Who's not? And there's several of those. In this context, he talks about, I was hungry and you fed me. I was naked and you clothed me. And he goes on, you know, I was sick and all these things he talks about. And they're like, Lord, when do we ever see you hungry or thirsty or in need or come visit you in jail? And he says, whenever you did it for the least of these brothers of mine, you did it for who? For me. Again, God identifies, Jesus identifies in the needs of his hurting children. And he says, I want you to love me with heart, mind, soul, body, strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, and then be taking care of all these physical needs along the way, and that's how you love me. Again, sometimes it's hard, a God that we can't quite see, he's everywhere, and yet we don't see him physically, but we do in his creation, and especially in those he's made in his image, mankind. So, he goes on to say, uh, I want you to love me uh, in John chapter 13, to love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. And then he says uh, in John 15, verses, uh, pardon me, 14, in verses 15 and 21, if you love me, you'll do what? You'll keep my commands, all right? 
And whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. Verse 21. I think Jesus is saying this. Not only do I want you to follow me, I want you to love me with everything that you have. And the proof will be how you pass this love on to others. So I want you to follow me. I want you to love me. Now I want you to give 100%. Kind of just continuing this idea of building on this. This idea of counting the cost. In Luke chapter 9, verse 23, he says, If anyone would follow me, he must what? Take up his cross. How often? Daily. Here in Luke, it says daily. And follow me. And also, yes, to deny yourself, all right? To put yourself on the sidelines and to let him be number one. And a cross is for what? It's the sacrifice. It's to die on. In Luke chapter 14, verse 26, he goes on to say, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, his wife and children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he can't be my what? He can't be my disciple. All right? There's a commitment involved in here. God isn't saying, look, I'll take 98%. He's saying, I want what? 100%. All right? He wants everything. And he gives everything, but he wants everything from us in return as his disciples. So this idea of relationships, I don't think God is, does God want us to hate people? No, and that's not what he's saying here. It's, it's a matter of contrast. As much as you love your father and your mother and your kids and your grandkids, I have seven. I love them dearly. I got to love God more. And by comparison, it's almost like I hate them compared to how much I love God. It's a contrast. Okay, God wants us to love everyone. We have seen that. But he wants us to love him the most. All right? And if you don't, the choice is ours. But you don't, don't kid yourself. You cannot be my disciple. And he goes on to say in, in that context, and anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me can't be my disciple. This idea of denying yourself, putting yourself, dying to self, basically. Um, that's what we've got to do. Give 100% uh, of that. So, and he continues it. There's a little story. He talks about a guy wanting to build and go to war and these kind of things. And uh, how you better count the cost before you do this. And he says, any one of you who does not give up everything he has cannot be my disciple. Now, that's a pretty high bar, isn't it? I mean, this is, God is asking us for everything. And sometimes I think that's the challenge of Christianity, is how do we do this? And he tells this story of the rich ruler here in Luke chapter 18. This guy says, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And they start to this dialogue, and then Jesus recognizes there's, there's something missing. Just, just, just one thing. He's done so much. He's kept the law since he was a child. But then Jesus gets to the point right here in verse 22. He says, one thing you lack just one. And the guy had to be thinking, oh, just one? All right, what is it? But it's a biggie. He says, sell everything you have and give it to the poor, and then you'll have treasure in heaven. It's like an investment, right? We're just exchanging this and laying up our treasure in heaven, uh, as it says in the Sermon on the Mount. But he says, then come and follow me. And it was, that guy went away sad. He couldn't do it. He was so close, but he couldn't give 100%. And notice Peter's reaction when this happens. Peter says, Lord, who can be saved? Like, this is not easy. You're asking so much. And he, and he does ask a lot. I think Jesus is saying this. Do you trust me? Trust me with everything, and I'll take great care of you. From now on and on into eternity, just trust me. 
Amen? That's not always easy, right? We tend to trust ourselves. I'm a control freak. Any control freaks out here? All right? We, we tend to trust ourselves, right? You want to be, if you're the car, you want to be in the driver's seat, right? All these things we're just, we want to be in control. And God is saying, let go. Trust me. Give me everything you have, and you just watch how well I take care of you. Amen. And I want you then to make disciples. All of this is for a purpose. I want you to be disciples who make disciples. You know, as Jesus leaves the earth, his last words are these we have here in Matthew 28, verse 19. He says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and then teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. So many times we think, okay, our job is to go and teach and people become Christians, and then we're like, done, put the notch on the belt. He's like, no, you keep teaching them to obey. You teach them so that they can teach others. See, again, we're to work and fish for men and to work in the harvest field. The good news was never meant to be a secret. It was never meant to be kept to ourselves. God wants us to take this news and to share with others. You ever wonder why? I mean, wouldn't it be nice the moment we're baptized and our sins are washed away before we could ever commit another sin while we're still pure and washed by the blood of Jesus? Wouldn't it be neat if he could just like, just take us to heaven? But he doesn't. He leaves us here. Why? He wants us to recruit others, to be disciples that make disciples. He wants us to be recruiters too. So, um, he, he wants us to be disciples who make disciples. You know, the farmer, uh, the first parable he tells in Matthew chapter 13 is the, the parable of the sower, right? And this, this seed, which is the word of God, is scattered on four different kinds of soil. And the fourth one is the good soil where it produces a crop 160 or 30 times what was, sold, what was sown. And then you think about this case study where Paul recruits this young man, Timothy, Paul's beginning his second missionary tour, and he meets this young man named Timothy, um, and the brother spoke well of him. It's just a neat little story. I love to share this. Don't have time. But what was really interesting is Paul wanted to take him on the journey. There was something about this young man that Paul says, I want to invest in you, and I need your help. Come join me on this mission trip. And that's what happens. And then later on, Timothy just winds up becoming a gospel preacher and, and is preaching in the church in Ephesus, all these things. And as Paul writes one of his last letters before he dies, he writes this in 2 Timothy 2.2. 2, and the things you, Timothy, heard from me, Paul, say in the presence of many witnesses and entrust to reliable men who will in turn also be able or qualified to teach others. It's kind of this uh, four-generation plan. Paul didn't keep the gospel to himself. What did he do? He was out as a missionary sharing with everybody. He meets Timothy along the way, invites him, kind of on-the-job training kind of thing. But he's, Paul is saying, look, you're not finished, Timothy, just to go on a mission trip. Your job is to teach someone else what I've taught you, reliable men. Look for people out there who want to know more. And then train them in such a way that they can do the same thing you've done for them and teach others. And that's how this goes on. And here we are in the year 2023, last day of 23. And all these 2,000 plus years later, we're here because someone taught someone who taught someone who maybe was your grandparents or your mom or your dad or your neighbor. And guess what they did? They shared the gospel with you too. And they recruited you. And now you're here and probably sitting next to someone that you've recruited. Maybe your child or your grandchild or your neighbor. 
And that's this whole thing that God wants us to be a part of, part of this growing kingdom. But how do we do this? Like, okay, we can read these stories in the Bible, but how do we do this? So I want to share my story really quick. Just got a few, like about eight minutes left. So this is me uh, back in the wonder years, <laughs> all right? <laughs> uh, yeah, there we go. That's me, all right? And I love baseball. And here we are when I was 16, 17 years old in Africa. My parents had this dream, this idea to go and do mission work. We finally got to do it. And I was uh, kind of missing um, all my friends. I was a social teenager. And, and so I learned that there was this uh, softball team, men's fast pitch softball team. And I went and joined them as, as some sort of social thing, not really thinking of anything else. I was just this missionary's kid. And I was just looking for something to do and people to be involved with. Well, we show up for practice one day and no one's there. And all of a sudden, another guy comes who's kind of new to the team, and we start talking, just chit-chatting. And then he uh, winds up uh, asking me why I'm in his country. And I say, well, my dad's a missionary. And he's like, are you a Christian? I said, yeah, are you? And we were going back and forth, and we start talking. We start this common ground. But then uh, I, I realized there was something missing. Even as a 16-year-old boy, I could just tell in the conversation. I, I, and I said, I said, have you been baptized? And he goes, no, I haven't, but I'd like to. And I said, you know what? Obviously, practice is canceled. We missed, we didn't get the memo. Let's go back to my house and let's get my Bible and let's just have a study and let's learn what baptism is. And you could do it soon if you wanted. And this is what happened. Later that night, there I am in the backyard baptizing Moses. Now, this changed my life. I realized that I'm not just a missionary's kid, I can be a missionary too. The word missionary, we've kind of made it this big, crazy, hairy, scary thing. It's not. We're, we're just people on mission for God. And you can be a missionary right here in Vero Beach. And I hope you are. I think you are. Okay? And I had to realize I could share my faith with a guy I just met. And uh, Moses, it's just a neat story. I wish I could tell you more. But uh, he, he became a faithful Christian, active leader. And long after I left, he eventually became a shepherd at this church. So it was just really neat how God used me and opened my eyes to this, which then led me as a youth minister. I wanted my kids to go on mission trips, but it was hard. Like it was hard to find a way to go and it was challenging. And so God put on my heart what's now disciple trips and you guys are a part of this. You help support this ministry and thank you for that. Um, and really all we are is about, we're, again, based off of the Great Commission, we connect people to places all around the world to be part of God's purpose of taking disciples and making disciples. So, um, so when we say people, this is uh, back in Antigua in 2016, and this guy right here is uh, Cade. He was just a, a coach, all right? Um, it was his first mission trip. He'd never done anything. We were doing a vacation Bible school, and the preacher grabbed him, Brother Cornelius George. You guys probably know him. Cornelius said, hey, I want you to teach this lady. This lady said she wants a Bible study. You teach her. And, and Cade came up to me later and says, I don't know what I'm doing. What do I do? And how I, so we start, I, I coached him on the sidelines, and then he was teaching this lady, Connie, and he baptized her by the end of the trip. This changed Cade's life. Cade kept going back with us, and uh, now he leads the trips in Antigua. It's pretty wild how God works all this stuff out. There is Cade there. Do you guys recognize some of these people? That's some of you. All right? This year, 2023, again, uh, now this goes back to one of those earlier trips. There you are, Troy. All right? We were doing street preaching. That was before the pandemic. 
And that was a neat story of transformation in, in his life. And then here are some of you this summer washing people's feet as you're doing a health clinic. What a beautiful way to share the gospel. What a beautiful way to be involved. In this place we call Antigua, most people go there on vacation. The people that work in those places live in very difficult places, and we're, we're serving them and loving them and teaching them about the love of Jesus. So thank you for being part of that. You guys were. Uh, you helped us experiment with our first ever family-based mission trip. The team that was there before you, just the week before you guys got there, uh, some of y'all may recognize this lady. This is Carissa Esprit. We were out in the neighborhoods painting houses, and her little boy you know, heard the commotion and saw all these folks there from America. And he's like, why are you guys here? And he goes back and tells his mom, she comes and looks. And uh, before you know it, they wind up having a Bible study. And here she is being baptized again at the end of that trip. Pretty awesome to know that God can use us even with a paintbrush to share the good news and bring so, lead someone to Christ. Uh, anyways, kind of neat. Another place we go is... Uh, Liberia, West Africa. This was our first year to take a team uh, that far away, a little bit longer trip. You recognize that guy, and there's Kurt, and uh, the rest of us. There's about seven of us, and you know these two people, Arthur and Honora David. Great, great people. We love working with them, and uh, what a great trip that was. So these are examples of some of the places we go, even some uh, stateside places. When the pandemic hit, we, were, we couldn't travel for a while. We were looking for places in America. Does our country need the gospel? In a city like Seattle, beautiful city, total pagan place, all right? And um, so it was good to be there. We were doing street preaching here, and um, one of the things we would do is we set up this table that says prayers for anything, and people would come up to us, and we just would meet them. And, and uh, again, very we weren't uh, in their face. They were coming to us. And a week later, this guy that we met at that thing we were gone by then, but the missionaries, the people that stayed there, followed up, and Zane was baptized a week later. I don't know that Zane would, would know the Lord had we not been there on a mission trip at uh, Al Alki Beach. Um, but really, so people, places, and purpose. Here's what I want to kind of just tell a quick story. This is a guy, uh, the preacher in, in West Virginia. His name is Joseph Pauley. And this is his daughter. He came to an event we had in Lubbock, a uh, workshop we had, saw our table and grabbed some information from us, called me later, says, I want to take my group on a mission trip. So obviously he brought four of his girls. There we went to Belize in 2017. Kind of a neat story, all right? But it doesn't stop there. While we're on this trip, we, one of the things we like to do is spend some time teaching you how to share, your, share the gospel, how to share your faith, how to put a chain reference in your Bible, okay, and be able to communicate the gospel to people. And so while we were doing that, here, are, here again are these four girls he brought. And um, so that's neat. Well, they took the mission trip back home. And here's a picture of Abigail, Joseph's daughter, daughter who then later taught Jaden, okay, and there she was being baptized. And then a year later after that, they met their friend at school, Trinity, and baptized her. It's kind of like that, that four-generation plan we saw with Paul, Timothy, reliable men, and just going on sharing their faith. And that's uh, a neat story, but it doesn't stop there. This church, a small church of like 100 people, decided they wanted to get more of their people involved. It wasn't just their young people, it was their adults too. Look at that mix of people, young and old, some with hair, some without. I mean, it's just a great mix, right? And so, 
by from 2017 to 2021, they've taken 18 of their people on a disciple trip. And that's pretty good because, they're, again, they're a church of about 100 people. So they really got involved, and that's been so cool. And that's what's beautiful, being part of Disciple Trips, is not only do you support it, you can join it. You can be part of it with us and see it. And now we've just finished our 12th year, and in that time we've taken 100, 1,014 people. We crossed the 1,000 milestone to 59 places in those 12 years, but all for that one purpose of taking disciples to make disciples. And our vision's really simple. It is taking help and hope. When we go, we want to take help and hope in different kinds of ways. But then we want to return with something. It's not just leave it all out there on the field. Let's learn from this thing and bring it home. The, the, the mission trip's just a laboratory. It's the chance to learn. But then we come back into the game, like I said, into real life. And we return with passion and purpose. And hopefully we just uh, bring fire back to our churches. So if you're interested, we have a website, disciplestrips.com. And... Uh, here, you can kind of see some of the trips we got coming in 2024. Lord willing, there's like nearly 13, 14 trips. Last year, we did nine, and so we'll just see how many of these make. But I really wanted to highlight two of these, again, and invite you guys. You can be part of any of these, or most of them, but Monrovia, Liberia, we're going to go toward the end of uh, the spring, early summer, and then St. John's, Antigua, where you guys went. That trip will fill up quick, so uh, we're only going to have one this year, not two. But So if you want to go on that, let us know soon, because that trip is getting close to full. But there's other trips you can be a part of. This is kind of cool. You can go to Alaska with us, uh, to Mexico, lots of great places. All of those places need the gospel, and they need someone to go. So again, I, Jesus is saying, I want you to make disciples. How do we do this? Whether it's a disciple trip or you're just going across the street to your neighbor, our job is to help send others or to go ourselves in different ways again, even if it's just going across the street. So let me uh, finish up our lesson here with this. Jesus is saying, I need your help. Now all these scriptures I've read to you uh, from the screen, but I want to read this last one. Turn to 2 Thessalonians with me as we wind up here. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. And here Paul's going to say some really challenging words. Um, to be honest, I don't like this scripture because it's hard. But we're not supposed to avoid hard things, are we? This is a challenging scripture right here. And that's why I want you to have it open in your Bible. If you've got it on your phone, pull it up. But Paul here is writing his letter to these, uh, this church in Thessalonica. It's his second letter. So I'll begin in verse 6. It says, God is just. He will pay back trouble to those who have troubled you and give relief to you who are troubled and to us as well. So he's kind of in context there. They've had some struggles in their community. And Paul's just saying, hang in there. God's got you. All right. And those that have been messing with you, God, God sees that. He'll take care of it in the end. And here's the end. This will happen, back into the text, this will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire. What does that sound like? Sounds like Judgment Day, all right? This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. And here's the part that makes me sad. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might on the day that he comes to be glorified in his holy people, that's us, 
and to be marveled at among those who have believed. This includes you because you believed our testimony to you. This text is like judgment day for us is our wedding day, right? When the trumpet sounds, those of us who are believers, who are disciples, we're looking forward to this day. But what about the rest of the world? This is going to be the worst day ever for them if they don't know Jesus like we do. It says they're going to be punished with everlasting destruction. That's hell. I think, I think we've kind of got lulled into this false sense of everybody's okay. Everybody's fine. God's a loving God and he won't, yeah, you know. And, and we just won't talk to people. We won't share. We're just nervous about that. And so and, and to kind of absolve maybe some of our guilt, we've just kind of like, ah, it's all going to be fine. Is that what Second Thessalonians is saying here? Is that what Paul's saying? Not, no. A day is coming and there will be a reckoning and we all have to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Where it says every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But those who have not put him on before that day, guess what? They're going to face this everlasting destruction. How do you feel about that? That's why I said it makes me sad. And that's part of what puts me on this mission. That all of us need to be more active. There's, now there's 8 billion people in the world. What are you doing about helping some of those people know Jesus? The way you know Jesus. And if you haven't talk to them why especially when you realize what's going to happen that song that haunts me in our old song books is you never mentioned him to me does anybody know this song <laughs> those of us that are older you know it's a song we don't really sing anymore we don't like the thought of it it's a guilty feeling song right and i'm not about guilt and i don't want to be about guilt this morning i want to be about motivation god is recruiting us to share his what news good news now to, for, to appreciate good news what do you have to know there's bad news and this is the bad news paul's talking about people who aren't don't know jesus are going to have to answer for their own sins but those of us who know him and as we've communed earlier and been reminded of his body and his blood that has washed us clean we don't have to fear that day and our friends and neighbors don't either now, whether they believe or not, that's not up to us, right? Our job is just to what? Share the good news. It's up to them whether they believe or are convicted. I mean, we need to model it for them and just, you know, show them the beauty of it that we see. And, and here's what God wants. God isn't like, I'm wringing my hands. I can't wait to punish these awful people. That's not God at all. This is what God is. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4. God, our Savior, wants what? All men to be saved. And to come to a knowledge of the truth. That's what God wants. He doesn't want to see people suffering and burning in hell. They will if they don't know him. What he wants is for all of them to be what? Saved. And you and I in this room are saved if we know Jesus and we've been washed in his blood. And we don't need to keep this a secret. We don't need to keep it to ourselves. And whether you go on a mission trip with us or you go, I mean, there's just all kinds of ways that we can be sharing our faith. You don't have to be a missionary and sell everything and move across to some faraway place. There are people right across the street from you who don't know the Lord. And let's get to know those people. Let's, let's build friendships and relationships with them. Jesus said, I need your help to reach these people. 
And, he, and let's use our voice and, and our feet to speak and recruit the lost. In Romans, and this will be our last scripture. Romans chapter 10, verses 14 and 15. How can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they're what? Sent. How beautiful then are the feet of those who bring good news. God's looking at your feet this morning. What does he see? Maybe, maybe uh, it's time for a spiritual pedicure. <laughs> All right? Just like, just like Jesus was washing the feet of the disciples in John chapter 13 because they were dirty. And he wasn't too important or too big to do that. He humbled himself, wrapped that towel, just like some of us did last summer in Antigua, washing people's feet, just demonstrating love in a very tangible way. Maybe for us today, though, it looks more like this. Um, it looks like taking a meal to a family that's struggling, or maybe helping someone who's ill and getting them to the doctor I mean, there's so many ways we can serve people, right? And let our light shine. To me, all of it's evangelism. My simple definition of evangelism is this. One person telling another person, one person bringing one, another person one step closer to Jesus. And so if I do that by letting my light shine, by serving them, that they glorify God, praise God. So this is our challenge. This is our job to, uh, to make sure our feet look beautiful and we can do that by serving people in so many ways. So as we wrap up, I don't think our, our tactic is like this. Join us or die. That's not good news. It looks more like this. Join us and live. Amen? We get to invite people into something that's going to be an eternal party forever. Why do we want to keep that to ourselves? We're fixing to celebrate tonight at the end of this year. All right? And I hope it's been a good year for you. And I hope 2024 is an even better year. But what's, one of these days, time is going to end and that trumpet will sound. And we want to know that people are going to be in heaven because of us. Even if it was at a practice like it was with me and, and Moses. Maybe God has these divine appointments that seem like something got messed up. But really, God was bringing you together to talk about him. And so tonight, today, I just want to encourage us. And I don't think Jesus would look like this. I think he looks more like this. I want you. That beautiful smile. This is the Jesus we want people to see. I want you to be part of my family. I've given everything I have for you, and I want you to join this family. And once you've done it, your job is not finished. Keep loving people. Be my disciple. Follow me. Give me 100% so that we can make others disciples too. Will you do that this year? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this time to be together and to worship you. You are an awesome God, as we sang about. And uh, it just gives us chills. And we want others to know your awesomeness, God, that you made this beautiful world, especially this part of Florida. It's just, it's just gorgeous here, God. But heaven's going to be even way beyond this place. And that's waiting for those of us that know you. And Father, there's plenty of room in heaven, and we want to see other people there too. So would you use us, God? Would you help us to take a meal to our neighbor? 
Would you help us just to meet them and introduce them and, and let people know that, that we love you and believe in you and just plant those seeds and, and water them, Father. And then maybe opportunities will come to share the gospel in a greater, more specific way to open our Bibles. But Father, it begins by just building those bridges and planting those seeds. So would you be with the Vero Beach Church this year? Would you be with me, God? May I be more active in sharing my faith too. Father, we just want to give this year to you. We love you. Father, thank you for recruiting us into your family. And may we do the same for others. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.